0: Welcome to the publishing by the numbers podcast. It is the end of May. I can't believe that it's already the end of May. I'm not sure how we got here. Because I I blinked and it was just January like five seconds ago. But it is the end of May. And we are here with episode number something. What what is our episode number guys? Uh, We are on episode 33 we, we've been doing really, really good. They they say very often that um, podcasts die generally within the first six months. So that's the first 24 episodes. And we have made it all the way to 33. So we are well beyond the, the death threshold. Um, mm-hmm. aren't, aren't we great? Uh, my name is Jana Brand, and I'm here with my two amazing co-hosts, Virginia Anderson. Hi, Virginia. Hello. And CJ and Aya. Hi, CJ. Hello. Oh, today we are going to talk about something that we all love. Um, This is continuing with our talking about some of the different business things that are part of getting books out and marketing them and all that kind of thing. So today we're going to talk about newsletters. So newsletters is a really big topic. We are not going to try to cover absolutely everything about newsletters in one hour. Well, okay, about 30 minutes or so. We're not going to do that because that's crazy. So we will come back to newsletters, but we want to at least kind of lay a foundation here about newsletters, why we think they're awesome and some of those basics. So let's see, last time I went to CJ first. So Virginie, what is a newsletter and why should an author have one?
1: Ooh, yes. So a newsletter is, it, I think it's a really big fancy word just to say that you get the news in, in your inbox. So, you know, traditionally mm, we used to have to receive those flyers in our in our mailbox, uh, but you know, with nowadays, it's just in your inbox. It's just a a information, a piece of email with some information, some news, uh, delivered into your inbox. That's it.
0: Fantastic. Why should an author have one? Either one of you can take this on if you want to.
1: Oh, I let let me start, CJ, because I'm this. So a newsletter is part of what is called email marketing. This is the most valuable asset to any business, not just in uh, for author, you know, for any business. Uh, it's because this gives you control and access to your audience. Uh, you can communicate with them whichever way you want, how often you want. Whereas if you are staying on social media. Uh, you don't own any of their email address, so you cannot contact them and uh, build that relationship with them however way you want. So say tomorrow, Facebook say Facebook has banned your account, then you're gone. It doesn't matter, you have a million followers on them. If you're not collecting emails uh, via your newsletters, then... Y- it means nothing you know so that's why a newsletter is so such a valuable marketing tool that uh we recommend every author start building that um cj yeah well i i think
2: also the reason why you want a newsletter has a lot to do with building relationships with your clients you know um it's a way to tell them the latest and greatest Um, it's certainly more advantageous than just a general social media presence for various reasons that virginie already listed Um, and one of them being just that access to them when you want to uh, let people know things on your terms Um, and so you're able to uh, connect with them because they gave you permission Right. You've got their email addresses. Uh, there's really no way to collect those email addresses on a social media page. You can't even collect them via Amazon with your author page. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really advantageous to be able to uh, build subscribers because it's a it's a way to do things organically, or it would seem organic to uh, Amazon where all of these people are coming in and buying your book because you've let them know, Hey, this is the new release. And you've been building that information. You've been building buzz. You've been letting them know. And so once that, once that book is out, you have kind of primed that audience of subscribers to go and get your book. And so that's another reason why newsletters are really great to have, and usually far more powerful than just having a social media page.
0: Fantastic. Just to add some stats to this, because I, I read this a couple months ago, so these stats are a little bit outdated, but probably only towards the increasing side. Um, but they said of people who have the Internet, 86 percent of them have an email address. And of that 86 percent, 91 percent of those open it every single day. Um, and a lot of us don't go to Amazon necessarily every single day or don't just check Facebook necessarily every single day. Um, But I check my email multiple times a day. It's where I get information from um, uh, other people. It's where I get information from my job. I'm in my email box all the time. So the likelihood you're going to catch my attention there, and I'm going to open something you've sent me, much, much higher. Um, And like we say, Facebook throttles your followers. Uh, So does Twitter. So do a lot of these places. And you have to really, really pay to play. Um, With the email, you don't necessarily have to do that. It's an asset you can take from place to place. And if some part of the internet goes down, you can still access your consumers. And we've seen that because a lot of things are now running on the AWS servers. And a while ago, they went down for 24 hours. And it took out Facebook, and it took out Instagram, and it took out just millions of dollars worth of advertising because people couldn't make connections with their target audience anymore. But those who had an email list still had a way to use other email services and still get to their clients. So lots of really good reasons why it is that, you know, we, we would probably prioritize this, I think, as your top marketing method um, for, for the things that you do is to have a newsletter list or an email list, however you want to call it. So one of the things that comes with that that, that we recommend and that is generally recommended is that you get an email or newsletter service provider. So CJ, what is an email service provider and why is that better than just loading people up in my Google account and letting it fly one email at a time? Right. So uh,
2: a newsletter provider is what we call an autoresponder. It's basically a platform where you can create your (laughs) your own subscriber list where anyone who signs up for your newsletter is is locked into that autoresponder or locked into the list. So it houses all of the emails that you collect over the years as people subscribe to your newsletter. And it allows you to set up automated campaigns or automated emails that can be sent out to your subscribers en masse. So bulk broadcasts, I guess you could say. And so you're really able to schedule quite a few wonderful, fabulous, lovely things in a newsletter uh, service provider. Uh, And so because of that, because it houses all of the newsletters or all of the emails that you um, collect from your subscribers, because it's able to send out scheduled emails when you want them to, and because it can send emails out to everybody all at the same time, or it can segment things according to who you want uh, included in certain emails, it's far better and far more effective than using just your own like gmail account because your gmail account would struggle to do lots of that um and you certainly don't want have, want to have to manually add emails into a group email yourself <laughs> that would that would really stink uh, so it's saving you a ton of time another thing that's really nice about these newsletter service providers that you can integrate them into other tools and other platforms that are used to collect email addresses and deliver things to consumers as well and we'll get that we'll get into that a little later, but that is the beauty of a newsletter service provider. So an example of this would be mailerlite um aweber, a Weber. I never know if I'm saying that right, and I use that so eh. um convert convert kit. Um, and there are a few more, but that's just an example of an autoresponder and, and what it can do for you specifically. Okay.
0: Fantastic. One thing I will add there is if you try to send all of these bulk emails through your own Gmail account, your ISP may shut you down Hmm. because you very often get, um, marked as being a spammer. Because spammer behavior is that same kind of thing. It often comes from unique accounts and it does that kind of thing. And so you can very easily get shut down using these other service providers. They provide you a level of protection from that um, they will go to back with the ISPs and say, no, this is a service we're providing. They have these signups. They, they help you with all of that side of it so that you don't run into so, so, so many troubles. So it does make your life easier. So, Virginia, uh, CJ gave us a list of some of our favorite newsletter service providers. If you were looking for a newsletter service provider, what kind of things would you consider? What, what would be your top things that, that if you were, as an author, you're trying to make this choice? what kinds of things would you look for to say this is a good service for me or this is a bad service for me?
1: Um, I want to see how easy. I think when you're just starting, it's really important to not get uh, stuck with the tech. So I want to see how how easy it is to set up an email sequence or just to create an email to start with, you know, because even that can be sometimes daunting if you've never done that. How to, is, do they have templates that you can just, it's that are intuitive use that you can drag drop kind of things. Um, uh, Are they, do, what's the pricing? I mean, that's, that's, I mean, a big one, you know, especially when we just start, you know, uh, resources are very limited. So I want to check. How their pricing, uh, how their pricing is structured. Often, the way how it works is you have a number of a free, uh, you have like a free plan until you you reach a certain um, number of subscribers, and that's why you also want to keep your list clean. And by that, I mean, uh, if say you have two thousand subscribers, but they are not engaging with you they are, they are all worse. They are putting you on the, uh, spam list. You want to clean that list. You want to maintain that list. Uh, so for example, one of the things we do is we, uh, sometimes send out an email asking them, say, Hey, uh, it's great that you're on our list, but we, we haven't seen you, uh, you know, sending, us any love lately uh do you still love us or do you no longer want to be with us uh you know we're of course sad uh that you, you you don't love us anymore but uh if that's the case let's just separate our ways you know amicably and then we're all going to be fine and this is the unsubscribe button and you wanted to get them off your list so because again we don't want the vanity numbers we don't care about the number of subscribers we don't care about the number of followers what we do care is are they actually engaging with us uh because there's no point in having a million subscribers if no no one is engaging with you right so uh we need to keep we need to maintain that list so pricing easy views um and i guess probably maybe integration so uh you want to check that this the it is sufficiently common that it integrates with a lot of other tools that you might use uh otherwise it's you you might have to have a web developer to help you to do a, like build like a code or something uh it's just going to be a nightmare so those are probably the three things that i'll check um but th- one. there are so many of them out there. Uh, CJ mentioned three, uh, but there's so many of them, out of, of them out there. But what I really want to stress is just pick one and then go. You can't change it later on, but don't, don't don't again don't let tech be against you. Use tech in your advantage and um and use tech so that you don't have to send those emails yourself but you can plan those emails ahead of time you can schedule them and then you can they can get sent out even when you're sleeping so use tech into your advantage um and then pick one and just give give a shot like even just the those three pick one uh, uh CJ mentioned convertkit mailerlite aweber pick one of those three and just get started
0: Absolutely. We, we want that kick in the butt to say, grab something and go. Um, I find from a lot of the authors that I work with that MailerLite is a favorite. So MailerLite is one of our favorites. Um, it's one that we find a lot of clients find easy to use, easy to get started with. And then like Virginia says, you can switch. Um, you want to give it time before you do. Don't don't switch at the first sign of, of friction because then you're just going to jump around because there is no perfect newsletter service provider Just like there's no perfect social media or no perfect anything else. So you do have to give it some time. But once you've got it, then you do have the ability to change over if you need to. Um, And Dave Chesson has and we'll find this link for the show notes. Dave Chesson has a list where he has a big grid and he compares Some of those things about um, a bunch of different mailers. So he talks about what the cost is, if they have an automation sequence, if they have templates, all those kinds of things. So that can be a good place to go if you're wanting a little bit more of a breakdown. So the next thing I'm going to go to, because this is a question that we hear all the time, is... How do I get people onto my newsletter? I've chosen MailerLite. I've set up the thing. And I know my friends and my family who I already forced to read all of my books and review all of my books. And besides them, how do I get other people onto my newsletter? Because I only know just this many people and they may not actually want to be on my newsletter, depending on what genre I'm writing in. So I'll I'll send it to CJ and then Virginia. What, What are some ways that you can get people onto the newsletter? So
2: getting people onto any newsletter usually involves offering them something of value in exchange for their email address. So you're going to have a little opt-in or sign-in form. We've all seen them. We've probably all used them and signed on to newsletters before where we give them our name and our email address or something very similar. Um, and we're doing it because we've seen you know, some kind of offer. Um like uh, top 20 reasons that, uh, you know, you should uh, minimize all the things in your kitchen and here's how to do it or something like that. You know, so we usually get something of value that will give us some incentive to jump on a newsletter. And so as a a novelist, or if you're selling nonfiction, what you most likely are going to do is give them something that has to do with any universes you create or any of the nonfiction subjects that you are discussing, it's going to be relevant to to something along those lines as well. Um, And it doesn't, you know, you don't need to give an entire book, although sometimes that will happen. So for example, if you already have a series out, maybe book one, is is free and the only way they can get it for free is if they jump on your newsletter and then they get that book for free because they jumped on your newsletter um so you can kind of consider that a bit of a loss leader um but the only place they can do that is if they you know get on your newsletter um so there are a lot of different ways in which you could do that but we we basically call that a reader magnet or a lead magnet So it's that incentive to jump on. Now, as far as getting more people to find you, um, that's going to require what we call a landing page, a link to a landing page where people can sign up and people can look at what you're offering and they can decide, oh, awesome. So you can have that, that landing page on your website. You can have a link to your landing page. Um, You could use other tools such as a book funnel or story origin where you are basically provided uh landing pages already filled out and you're just uploading your manuscript and they're filling in all of the rest and you're using their platform to to um get people in uh, the groups and the readers and people who use that platform to to grab your books um you're sharing your network with others you are newsletter swapping which is a fun way to say hey author i'll share your book in my newsletter if you'll share my book in your newsletter and you can schedule those in these really great um platforms and i know that i'm rushing over this and talking about this and just throwing out things here and there because each one of these actually could be a an entire you know an entire class we could do an entire class on landing pages and someday we probably will yeah exactly so you know, obviously, and then an entire class on like newsletter swaps and group promos. So there's obviously a lot to cover, but there are quite a few ways in which you can let people know, Hey, I have a newsletter and Hey, here's how you sign on. Okay. Um, so just think outside the box in relation to that. Okay. Uh, V, Jana, do you guys have anything else to add to that?
1: I think uh you probably covered most of them. Uh another thing you can use at this time it's with social media. So social media not not the paid ads but the organic ones. So when you create a uh TikTok account or uh Facebook page Facebook group you are leveraging social media to Get the views to your to your account, and then that's where you can talk about your your uh, your your books, and uh, you can put in the comment a link to the landing page. Uh, so you can you know do I like, like for example, um y- you can f- create a Facebook group on how to be more efficient in the kitchen. Just to take the example of CJ, uh, let's go along with that. And then you are sharing some, you know, maybe funny videos on how you can make a cake in 15 minutes, you know. And then, uh, you know, if you want to hear more about my checklist or my cheat sheet on how to uh, bake this cake in 15 minutes or if you want a recipe, Here's the link. And then you put the link in the comment that takes them to the landing page. Then they, you will, they will have like a pop-up form where they can put in their email address. And here you go, you're getting them on your, uh, you, on your email list. So social media is pretty effective way uh, of, doing, uh, of getting more uh, subscribers to your list. Uh, but again, it's really important to do it consistently. If you do it every day, you have to do it every day. If you're doing, like, especially with social media, it has to be quite frequent because just remember that people, you know, log into their social media at different time uh, and you oh, the algorithms is not going to show them every t- single time. So if you post more often, then there's more chance that they're going to see your organic feed than if you just post once a, once a, once a week, for example.
0: Cool. The other thing that I would add to that is ask people. um, Put a link in the back of your book that said, would you like to join my newsletter? Here's the landing page. Um, You can also, if you go to events or uh, even to a farmer's market or things like that, you can have a clipboard where they can sign up to get on my newsletter. Um, I do a lot of presentations at places and that's another easy thing to pass around is here's the clipboard, here's my business card. And if you'd like to be on my newsletter, sign up here. Uh, It's amazing how many times people react positively when we just ask them. We, We tend to beat around the bush with the, oh, well, maybe could we, if it wouldn't be too much of a bother. No, 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 this is not a bother. You are offering them something really, really cool, and they want to be part of your little club, and you want to make it exciting. Because if you make it sound like you're embarrassed by your newsletter, why would anybody want to sign up for it? So you want to make sure that it's something that you know, you're know you proud of and that you want to invite people to, to, to be part of, which leads us to the question of, so what do I write about that makes it so that they're excited to join it because my life is really boring and I don't have any books coming out and I have nothing to write about? We hear this all the time. So what do you write about so that you can keep connecting with your readers, especially if you're only releasing one or two books a year?
2: That's a good question. Good wants
0: I'll take it. I'll start
2: real quick. Um, well, there I've seen this done a couple ways. Where um, one author has decided that instead of building relationships via I'm going to share a lot of my personal life and tell you everything I'm doing and share pictures and things like that, it's more about just sharing other people's books. So in the interim. While, uh, you know, they'll give little updates here and there about what's happening in the writing world and when the next book is going to come out. But then it's like, oh, but hey, since I know you love books like these, I bet you guys would love these types of books. And guess what? It's only 99 cents or it's free this week. And so a lot of newsletters um, will share other authors books. And we'll give book recommendations, or we'll share, you know, little short reviews. So that's, that's one way that you could do it. Other authors are all about oversharing. This is me to a T when I have the time, I will tell you everything I will tell you about my daughter barfing in the morning and what color the vomit was like, I mean, it's just crazy. So that that's going to be an author who genuinely wants to build relationships based on sharing a part of him or herself and letting them know what's going on in their lives. And then, you know, and and that's one way to do it. Um, so can you guys think of other ways in which uh you could put stuff in there that would be interesting, especially nonfiction? You know, what are your guys, what are your guys' ideas for nonfiction?
1: So so I like to have always one of the three things in any of the newsletter I do something that inspire something that entertains or something that educates so and then, and then I go in the rotation so it cannot be always a sell, 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 sell because you're going to lose your uh your uh, subscribers really fast I you will get them really annoyed so share some give them something that's that inspires them or that you know, inspire them uh that sorry that inspire them that teach them something or that entertain them something, and then you can do a combination of the three and then uh, you know sell something but not always, not every single newsletter and uh generally it's, you know it's yeah, yeah, that's what I do um in the in our newsletters oh, oh you know like for us, like as uh Elon, as part of Elantum Digital, I genuinely like to share something that is really uh, cringe, uh that's uh related to CJ usually. And um as you know, I have a actually a folder with CJ's weird faces. So I, I think I'm probably going to share those. Uh so <laughs> you're
2: welcome, everyone.
0: You're welcome. Oh, there's a thing. And something that can help you, and I see this with a lot of author newsletters, is they create a um, standard kind of form as to how they share their newsletters. So it might be, you know, the the first paragraph is updates on my work. The second paragraph is I've been renovating my house and you get an update as to what's going on. It's a little personal share. And then the third one is something funny or a link that they want to share to a book. And with newsletters, they don't need to take pages and pages. They shouldn't. People are not going to read long newsletters for the most part. Uh, we we tend towards short attention span theater. So you want to think about just, you know, three little things that you can share. And if you always share them in that order, then you can always be thinking ahead to, oh, here's something that I want to grab for my next newsletter. Or there's a holiday coming up. I could share something interesting about Halloween or about the 4th of July or about um whatever holiday it is and that way you can think ahead and you can actually write a lot of your newsletters ahead so that you don't feel like you're always behind um, so keeping those kinds of things also consider graphics they don't need to be so so there's an ongoing argument in in the email marketing world as to how html graphics etc cetera, etc cetera, great big flashy thing a newsletter needs to be and you get the two sides, and, and like always, we always have two extremes, and I kind of think the truth is in the middle. So you get the one extreme that says it must have all the bells and whistles and the color and the background and the graphics and the this, and the other. The other side says minimalist for the win. We just want to hit words, couple of links, call it good, done. Um, I like it kind of somewhere in the middle. I, I do enjoy a newsletter where you give me at least one graphic. You give me something that ties to the newsletter, but I don't want 12. That, that, that gets overwhelming. Um, maybe if you're sharing several books or doing something like that. But for the most part, I don't want to be overwhelmed on either side. So that's something else you have to choose is what kinds of emails are you going to send out as far as, uh, you know, are they graphic heavy? Are they less so? And your readers are going to come to expect that. And once you kind of de- determine something, then stick with it. Give it a year and see what to think. Um, you can always poll your readers. And say, hey, I've been doing it like this for a while. What do you think? Are there things that you like? Or are there things that you don't like? And then you can decide depending on what they tell you if you want to change anything. That doesn't mean you have to. They are not the boss of you. But it does help sometimes to get input from the people who are reading. What, what is it that you like? And like Virginia says, we don't want to be too salesy. At the same time, don't forget to sell. Um, a, a good friend of mine who who is very good with newsletters got into CJ's thing of sharing all of the information and, and big stories, and she was so clever and so much fun to read. But then she analyzed her newsletters and figured out that her newsletter followers were coming to follow her and read about her life, but they weren't purchasing her books And she's like, I put out the book that said the new book is out or put out the newsletter that says the new book is out. And hardly anybody clicked through to that. They clicked through to read the story about the chickens. And so she was entertaining them so much that they were coming for that part. But they were forgetting that she was also an author and that the way she makes her bread and butter so she can tell you these stories is by telling stories. And they weren't clicking through. So you've got to kind of hit that balance that says, Yes, I want to entertain. I want to educate. I want to keep you connected to me, but also remember to connect them to the work because you want to make sure that they're not just coming back for your funny stories about the pugs and the daughter barf, but also because they're excited about your next book. All right. So last thing that we're going to hit here is how often do I need to send a newsletter? Um, and this is another one that's going to have a big range on it. So what do you think girls? Is this a every day, once a year, how, how often do you need to send a newsletter?
2: I think it's going to depend on your audience and also your needs. Um, for me, it's once a week. Um, and for others, it's once every two weeks. Um, I think that the average is once a month. Um, and then you're gonna say, yeah, but what about those folks that keep sending me emails every single day? Well, there th- that is a dangerous precedent to set. <laughs> and you're gonna you're gonna get people really sick of you if you do that. And probably you're gonna you know burn yourself out because those are larger companies that can afford to do that and they can afford to lose you if it really annoys you. Um, so it you know, it really just depends on on what you think. I, I like the once a week to once every 2 weeks option. Um I don't know what Jana and Virginie do. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, every 2 weeks I think it it, it really depends where you're at, what's the, you know, the general, the niche, the the and the expectations from your target audience. So mm-hmm. yeah. So but whatever that you do, be consistent. If you say it's once a week, then do it once a week. If it's once a month, then once a month, but don't like seven days every day and then nothing for two months. And because you will lose them. Like, mm-hmm. cause they come to expect an email every day and then suddenly nothing, they will be like, there's, you know, because we all receive so many emails every day. If you don't do it, someone else will take the spot. So it's really important to stay consistent. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, the Alliance of Independent Authors did a a survey on newsletters and stuff not that long ago. I'll see if I can find that link, too. Um, But they said that the most common is once a month or when I have something new to talk about. But the when I have something new to talk about is dangerous because it can be I'm not touching in with my audience more than twice a year and you lose a lot that way. So most of the things that I've read and looked at it say once a month or more in my ideal world, when everything is going the way that it's supposed to, I wish to be sending newsletters out twice a month. Um, My world has not been ideal by any stretch of a speckled imagination in the last little bit. And so I'm hanging on to my once a month. Um, And, and maybe I will go back up. The thing I like about saying once a month is my consistent. Then if I occasionally have an extra one, It's an extra special bonus, um, but it doesn't set up the expectation that I'm going to go from once a month to uh, twice a month or three times a month. So that's where I'm at for now. But like Virginia says, the biggest thing is be as consistent as possible. And a way that you can do that, again, is get ahead of yourself if at all possible. If you can sit down one weekend and say, I'm going to spend two hours just jonesing out these these newsletters you can probably get several of them written you can even schedule them within your newsletter provider and you can you can say i'm going to write everything except maybe this bottom blurb because that might change as i get closer to the date but you can still have them scheduled and ready to go make that final change and then apply the email and go so you can get ahead the other thing that you can do is this is something that i know a lot of authors give to a VA. A VA is a virtual assistant. This is somebody that you hire to help you do some of the things that either you don't feel like you're good at, or you don't have time to do, or you just flat do not like. That you look at it and go, I feel like this is necessary for my business, but I hate it, my precious. Um, (laughs) So that can be a good solution. You you can find people on Upwork. You can find people on Readsy. You can find people on Facebook who will be happy to spin you know, the biggest parts of a newsletter for you. So then you can then go in and add again those little personal things, but they can create some of those top subjects for you so that it gets out of your way. So don't get bogged down in this again. Short, sweet, and to the point. If you don't have time to write them yourself, work with somebody else to get them out there. But definitely one of the most important things that I think that we can we can encourage you to do. All right, girls, anything else we want to say about newsletters at this time, knowing that we will come back and dig down deeper into some of these things. All right, then we are off into our moments of utter irrelevancy, and we are going to start with Virginia.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So this is a, you know, I have a theory with life, right? So that if I'm uh, watching a, a, say, Grey's Anatomy, then so if I watch enough episodes, then that makes me kind of a surgeon, and my... (laughs) My question is does it apply to my dreams so you know that how i'm you know what i think about sport exercise i don't believe in them i don't understand it I, what's the point but <laughs> i often dream and i don't know why and but that's happens like often like I'm just, i would say every month and half i dream of running like a marathon or some some sort of uh, exercise thing and I had that like a few days ago. I so I had this dream where I was just running, like really, like consistently. so my question is: if I'm running in my dream, does it equate equate to actually running and exercising? Sure,
2: I'll follow my, that
1: logic. I I think I think so. I think so. So I think that's very very good logic. Or it just means that
2: in a previous life, you were a marathon runner and you're having you're having memories resurface if you believe in reincarnation.
1: So, yeah, Yeah, I like that explanation. I like it. So that's that's that. Uh, What about you, CJ? Um, okay. So no
2: pug life incidents. I know you're all just terribly devastated by this, but that just means that there's more likelihood that he will continue to survive his eating lifestyle. Um, right now I'm going to be going to my son's volleyball banquet. So I showered today and put on something other than pajamas and a graphic tee. So this is monumental. I think I'm wearing makeup. My hair is done. I'm going to be out and about in front of People, people. the introvert in me is already exhausted. So um, I'm going to go and really try. Congratulations. Parents of the children who go to school with my son and, and just be like, try to make friends, even though sleeping sounds good. So that's what I'm going to do here in like
0: five minutes, actually.
1: That's a massive achievement. Well done. It is. It's a big achievement. Appreciate it. How about you, Jenna?
0: It is almost the last week of school, but by the time this goes out, it will be the last week of school. And I find it very interesting how the last couple weeks of school is when I work the very hardest as a parent, because (laughs) it's when these wonderful, lovely teachers, who I adore, by the way, I I have big hearty face for our our principal and our teachers and our school. I love them. However, in, in the last week, every time I turn around, I'm getting another paper in my daughter's take home folder that says, here is another activity that we're doing in the last two weeks of school. So we need you to sign up for super field day because they need parents to come there. And I'm, I'm going to sign up for the first aid booth. My, my job is to put Band-Aids on people as necessary. Make sure that they drink lots of water. That, that's, that's the job I'm signing up for. But we have super day. We have the um, county floats so my child has to take a shoebox and turn it into a float talking about the county in Utah that she's been studying so that she can carry it around. Thus far, it's involved paint and we, we're working with air dry clay today because we mm-hmm. must build a, a representational mountain for, for this county and the, oh, there are plans and, and it all has to be done by Monday. And then we got the notice that we have the fourth grade musical extravaganza. She has six songs that she has to have memorized and the steps to the square dance. Neither of which I know. But I'm learning the songs because she's singing them ad nauseous. Yes, ad nauseous, not ad nauseum, because I'm so tired of hearing them. I now know the 29 counties in Utah State. I can name them one by one and I can do it in alphabetical order. And it's all my daughter's fault. I didn't learn this when I was at her age, but now I can. And then now we're doing a mountain man rendezvous. We, we have $5 that we can spend to come up with 30 small items that she can barter and trade with her fellow fourth graders. So there's now this pressure of it all has to be cool enough that the her fellow fourth graders want it, because you don't want your kid to have the one booth that nobody visits because whatever they're selling is lame. <laughs> And so it's like, how do I come up with something that's not lame for less than $5 that she can sell at her booth? And I'm just watching all the parents do the same thing I'm doing that is she's going to come up with this giant bag of, of cheap, kitschy plastic stuff because it's all you can afford for $5. And, and every time I turn around, it's another thing. And it's like, oh guys, God. why? Why are we doing this? Can't we just ride out the last two weeks and let them watch movies? Yes. It's just all day Disney. I'm, I'm okay with this. but no. No, we, we are going to have all the things and I'm going to attend them all because I she she needs me to be that mom. And one day when it is her daughter, I will laugh my butt off when she's doing the same thing. And that's yeah, all I have to like, say about that.
2: <laughs> revenge only happens 10 plus years later. That's or true.
0: So. It's very yeah. true. But that's uh, all right. Sounds
1: utterly exhausting. I'm, I,
0: I'm tired already <laughs> just thinking about it.
1: When need to go all lie down.
0: All right. Thank you so much, our listeners, then. Thank you guys for joining us. You can find the show in the show notes at www.alignedomdigital.com and follow the podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast distributor. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. And you guys can all go take a nap, too. We give you permission. We'll see you all later. Bye-bye now.
2: Bye. Bye.